Chapter Forty Six of Esther Waters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Esther Waters by George Moore. Chapter Forty Six. Esther seemed to have quite naturally accepted Woodview as a final stage. Any further change in her life she did not seem to regard as possible or desirable. One of these days her boy would get settled. He would come down now and again to see her. She did not want any more than that. No, she did not find the place lonely. A young girl might, but she was no longer a young girl. She had her work to do and when it was done she was glad to sit down to rest. And dressed in long cloaks the women went for walks together. Sometimes they went up the hill, sometimes into Southwick to make some little purchases. On Sundays they walked to Beeding to attend meeting, and they came home along the winter roads, the peace and happiness of prayer upon their faces, holding their skirts out of the mud, unashamed of their common boots. They made no acquaintances, seeming to find in each other all necessary companionship. Their heads bent a little forward, they trudged home, talking of what they were in the habit of talking, that another tree had blown down, that Jack was now earning good money, ten shillings a week. Esther hoped it would last or else Esther told her mistress that she had heard that one of Mr. Arthur's horses had won a race. He lived in the north of England, where he had a small training stable, and his mother never heard of him except through the sporting papers. "'He hasn't been here for four years,' Mrs. Barfield said. "'He hates the place. He wouldn't care if I were to burn it down to-morrow.' However, I do the best I can, hoping that one day he'll marry and come and live here. Mr. Arthur, that was how Mrs. Barfield and Esther spoke of him, did not draw any income from the estate. The rents only sufficed to pay the charges and the widow's jointure. All the land was let, the house he had tried to let, but it had been found impossible to find a tenant unless Mr. Arthur would expend some considerable sum in putting the house and grounds into a state of proper repair. This he did not care to do. He said that he found racehorses a more profitable speculation. Besides, even the park had been let on lease. Nothing remained to him but the house and lawn and garden. He could no longer gallop a horse on the hill without somebody's leave, so he didn't care what became of the place. His mother might go on living there, keeping things together, as she called it. He did not mind what she did, as long as she didn't bother him. So did he express himself regarding Woodview on the rare occasion of his visits, and when he troubled to answer his mother's letters. Mrs. Barfield, whose thoughts were limited to the estate, was pained by his indifference. She gradually ceased to consult him and when beading was too far for her walk she had the furniture removed from the drawing-room and a long deal-table placed there instead she had not asked herself if arthur would object to her inviting a few brethren of the neighbourhood to her house for meeting 
or publishing the meetings by notices posted on the lodge gate. One day Mrs. Barfield and Esther was walking in the avenue when, to their surprise, they saw Mr. Arthur open the white gate and come through. The mother hastened forward to meet her son, but paused dismayed by the anger that looked out of his eyes. He did not like the notices, and she was sorry that he was annoyed. She didn't think that he would mind them, and she hastened by his side pleading her excuses. But to her great sorrow Arthur did not seem to be able to overcome his annoyance. He refused to listen, and continued his reproaches, saying the things that he knew would most pain her. He did not care whether the tree stood or fell, whether the cement remained upon the walls or dropped from them. He didn't draw a penny of income from the place, and did not dare a damn what became of it. He allowed her to live there, she got her jointure out of the property, and he didn't want to interfere with her. But what he could not stand was the snuffy little folk from the town coming round his house. The Barfields, at least, were county, and he wished Woodview to remain county as long as the walls held together. He wasn't a bit ashamed of all this ruin. You could receive the Prince of Wales in a ruin, but he wouldn't care to ask him into a dissenting chapel. Mrs. Barfield answered that she didn't see how the mere assembling of a few friends in prayer could disgrace a house. She did not know that he objected to her asking them. She would not ask them any more. The only thing was that there was no place nearer than Beeding where they could meet, and she could no longer walk so far. She would have to give up meeting. "'It seems to me a strange taste to want to kneel down with the lot of little shopkeepers. Is this where you kneel?' he said, pointing to the long deal-table. "'The place is a regular little Bethel.' Our Lord said that when a number should gather together for prayer that he would be among them. Those are true words, and as we get old we feel more and more with the want of this communion of spirit. It is only then that we feel that we really with God. The folk that you despise are equal in his sight, and living here alone, what should I be without prayer? And Esther... After her life of trouble and strife, what would she be without prayer? It's our consolation. I think you could choose one's company for prayer as for everything else. Besides, what do you get out of it? Miracles don't happen nowadays. You're very young, Arthur, and you cannot feel the want of prayer as we do. Two old women living in this lonely house. As age and solitude overtake us, the realities of life float away, and we become more and more sensible to the mystery which surrounds us. And our Lord Jesus Christ gave us love and prayer, so that we might see a little further. An expression of great beauty came upon her face that unconscious resignation which like the twilight hallows and transforms in such moments the humblest hearts are at one with nature and speaks out of the eternal wisdom of things so even this common racing man was touched and he said i'm sorry if i said anything to hurt your religious feelings 
Mrs. Barfield did not answer. Do you not accept my apologies, mother? My dear boy, what do I care for your apologies? What are they to me? All I think of now is your conversion to Christ. Nothing else matters. I shall always pray for that. You may have whom you like up here. I don't mind if it makes you happy. I'm ashamed of myself. Don't let's say any more about it. I'm only down for the day. I'm going home tomorrow. Home, Arthur. This is your home. I can't bear to hear you speak of any other place as your home. Well, mother, then I shall say that I'm going back to business tomorrow. Mrs. Barfield sighed. End of chapter 46 Read by Lars Rolander